welcome to the Career Wellbeing Show. I'm Emma Welsh, founder of Parents at Work, and I'm here with career leadership and life design guru and author, Jill McLaren. Every month we discuss what it means to have a healthy career, and this week is no different. In fact, but I think we're st- tackling something that, you know, for many of us has really held us back, and that's self-doubt. Um, and we're tackling it because it can play havoc with our career and life plans. And at its worst, I think it's self-doubt that can really paralyze us from decision-making and can make us stay trapped in jobs that we could otherwise be growing in or leaving and so on. And it's even more challenging when you don't recognize that it's self-doubt that's holding us back. You know, we think it might be an external factor often, um, but often it is actually ourselves that perpetuate the problem. So, Jill, another meaty topic to talk about today. It is. It's a big one, Emma. (laughs) I know. How are we going to get into the crux of it quickly? Well, I'm going to ask you a question, um, Jill, about your own self-doubt. You know, what are the kind of self-doubt challenges that you've dealt with throughout your career? Because it's always good to start with that personal reflection. I know I have mine. I'll share mine in a minute. But how has self-doubt played havoc in your life? How's it showing up? I think the biggest one is that, um, and it's probably when new career opportunities come up, it's that, I suppose that imposter syndrome, as they would now call it, I didn't know it was called that at the time, which is kind of going, can I really do this thing? Um, is it is it too much of a stretch? You know, can I, can I achieve what I want? Should I wait a bit longer before I go for the opportunity? Um, so it is what I've heard Ariana Huffington talk about is your noisy roommate in your head, which kind of goes, oh, I don't know whether you can do this. Is this really the right thing? So I think that's probably the biggest thing that plays out is that that sense of doubt about, and it's that tension between knowing I really want to do this thing, I think I can, but then again, who am I kidding? Perhaps I can't, if that makes sense. And it kind of oscillates between the two. Um, so I think that would be a recurring theme for me that I kind of check in on that. And I just became more aware on it over time because it was almost the same recurring thought I had. Um, and it revolves around how good you are at something, you know, have you got development gaps? Uh, but at the core of it, it is, it's almost that question about, you know, can I really do this thing? Uh, and a bit of positive self-talk about, yeah, I reckon I can. Um, but to start with, I, I found it hard to push through that. And then I, as I grew in my career, I kind of knew that that would pop up each time. And I, I suppose I got better with having having that kind of dialogue with myself, kind of go, nah, you've got this, you can do it. So so that's what mine looks like. What about you, Emma? Yes. Oh, look, I can relate to all of that. I, look, there's so many moments that I've had that over my career, I've lost count. And I have to sit here and say, I still struggle with self-doubt on a regular basis. Why? Because I guess with the line of work that I'm doing, I feel like I'm constantly pushing the envelope on something that I'm doing. You know, even even doing these career wellbeing um, podcasts, you know, this is new for us, isn't it, Jill? This is the first time we've done this kind of um, these kind of sessions over the, in the last few few months. And I remember thinking, hey, it'd be really great if we could do that. Gosh, that'd be really helpful. And then in that moment going, oh, but would people really value it? What would I have to share? Maybe they won't think that that's good. You know, um, you know, who am I kidding? I, I'm not an experienced, um, you know, radio show host. How can I really add some value to people around career wellbeing? And so I have these moments pop up 
all the time. And like you, I've learned to challenge them when they pop into my mind and go, okay, so what are you feeling wobbly about? You know, what is it that really you're feeling exposed or vulnerable to? And I've learned this really great follow-up question and I use it all the time. And it's this, who can help me? And it is such a powerful one because it really helps me immediately go, you're not alone. Um, You know, who around you would, do you know, that has some experience at this or would make you feel better about this right now or um, could help be the expert, whatever that might be. So, you know, and that's a really good example around how the Career Wellbeing podcast came to life because I thought, hey, Jill would be great at this you know she could help me make this a reality and so I think that who can help me is such um yeah has been terribly grounding for me in those moments of of self-doubt but I'm not going to sit here and say that I've conquered it I just don't care anymore I would love to be one of those people that just isn't plagued at all by self-doubt but it wouldn't be true um, so I think it is a really normal experience um, for, for, for many people, but it's having a strategy to tackle it, I think, is just so tricky. And, oh, gosh, if people had given me that that really sage advice 10 years ago, perhaps, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have perhaps hesitated as much at times when I've come up with something that I felt push that envelope or was something, you know, really courageous I could do at that moment. Um, I wouldn't have perhaps held myself back. So really this has been a self-taught thing that over many years um, I've learned to reflect on and tackle. But, my goodness, I would have loved this earlier in my career. Definitely. No, I agree with you on that one. (laughs) So, you know, I know that, Jill, on a regular basis you're coaching people that, present all sorts of different career and life design challenges, right? So, you know, that classic um, person who turns up to a session and says, I've got all this going on, you know, I'm not really in control of any of it and I'm feeling really plagued by what I'm going to do next with my career and how am I going to work out really how to navigate this period? When you have those people present to you, how many of them do you think uh, wrapped up in self-doubt being part of the key, you know, problem? What kind of contribution does self-doubt make to people's, um, you know, career situations they find themselves in when they come to you? Yeah, good question about what proportion. I think it's definitely playing out um, for many people. Uh, and, again, I, th- I think the origins of it are important too is the I find this the self-doubt can sometimes be there but sometimes it's like I'm not really sure about myself so it's not as far as kind of there is a doubt there um but I think the first point I would have with someone is the you know how well do you actually know what you actually want and for many people they would say I'm not exactly sure what I want and that actually causes you to doubt as well because you're kind of going I'm not sure what I actually want or whether it's right for me so a kind of a practical step I always take people on is is what I call the foundations of growth good life and career design which is you know how well do you know what you really value do you have you got really in touch with your strengths and do you know what gives you energy if you can't answer those three things then I would always start there because there's going to be doubts if you don't know the answer to that because most people's doubt comes from First of all, can I do it? And is it right for me? And those two things can be a bit of a blend um, between, you know, 
honestly thinking about how that piece works. So that's kind of where I would start. I think the other thing um, I find is, and maybe it's the origins of self-doubt, is that they wonder whether other people doubt them. So I find a lot of people come to me about, well, I don't know whether they think I'm right for the role, or I think there may be someone better. So there's actually quite an external lens on that, which for sure results in the self-doubt part. But we tend to look at and parallels with other people and kind of assume, well, they can do it way better or how does that work for them? Um, and that's probably the origins of a lot of it. So it's this comparative piece that I see quite a lot. Uh, and the honest answer to that is obviously find a way to do it your way. So I think there isn't a bar about what great looks like in someone's career. It's very much a self-navigated journey. So, so to some extent, kind of finding time to kind of get good with what you bring, say your values or your strengths or what gives you energy, but also to not second guess yourself versus who else might be up for the career move or how that works I think would be some practical things I noticed and to your question earlier you know is there one or the other no it all kind of meshes together really in terms of those are the sorts of things that people are really kind of debating as they as they look at what next Mm. So I, I absolutely agree. This You've got to know yourself well. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not aware, you know, intrinsically enough about your values, as you say, your strengths, your gifts, as you call them, um, what you stand for, um, being sort of what I call anchored in your compass, you know, this is who I am. And, you know, if we haven't done enough thinking about that, and connecting in with that, that when we go out into into the world and we get on our bus and we get to work or whatever we might be doing and something happens to us and we're challenged in some way and we have that moment of self-doubt, if we cannot re-anchor at that point and test that out, that period, you know, that moment of self-doubt against a benchmark of who we are, then it we can feel so rudderless so quickly. You know, it's that moment where everything was fine and then that happened. And then, you know, that feeling of having the rug ripped out underneath you and feeling like you've just unraveled in that moment. Um, that doesn't happen if we're really anchored in who we are and, you know, what we stand for because we can we can reflect back on that and go, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. That has happened, right? That's triggered that, and you know, in me. And so that's about knowing your triggers. So, for example, in that, that um, I guess, example I've just um, started to provide, we go to work, we turn up, and someone does something that we think, oh, wow, I've just had a judgment made of me and my capability in that moment about whether I'm able to do something. If we can't there and then go, okay, yeah, I wonder why they had that point of view. You know, what's going on? I know I'm good at that or I know I've done this before. That shouldn't be a problem. What's really going on here? I've just been triggered and it's given me that moment of, oh, I don't feel comfortable about what's just occurred. Um, I need to now go and what you would say, seek feedback or find out a way of testing out whether what you're feeling in that moment of self-doubt is actually perceptional reality. Um, because, you know, we all have triggers and they, you know, sometimes they get set off, right, without us even being aware that they've been set off. And we get, you know, frozen in that moment of, of self-doubt uh, and can find ourselves, you know, an hour later the next day reflecting back on it going, oh, what just happened? Oh, my gosh, I just froze in that moment. You know, why did I do that? Um, so being really clear about knowing yourself and what you stand for absolutely think is key. And the second piece, let's explore feedback more because 
feedback and being able to test a self-doubt moment with someone, whether it's a close ally, friend, um, or whether it's the person that might be have triggered the self-doubt issue, is just such a critical tool to be able to use to quickly overcome self-doubt. You know, what's your your advice on, you know, how to use feedback to overcome self-doubt? I think it really is um, crucial. Again, choose who you get your feedback from. <laughs> Hopefully your trust <laughs> from, advisors. Yeah. Um, who you kind of go that for go there for and also I think the other thing is deeply listen to what people say to you what what would I mean by that is that I find many people actually do get a tap on the shoulder about a career move um, you know yes you can formally apply for things and I find that the self-doubt comes in even more when you kind of formally apply because you know you're kind of up against other people to do that but sometimes I find that you know, you've worked for a leader for a while, they actually do tap you on the shoulder and kind of go, I think you'll be perfect for this role. Um, often I find people deflect that and they kind of go, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so there's almost an out, out splurging of kind of all the reasons why I'm not and why you've got that completely wrong. And um, I do find that doubt kind of kicks in. Um, one thing I would ask people to, to kind of do or a, a practical thing to do is like, oh, I'm really, you know, I'm honoured that you think I would be. What What is it that that makes you think I'd be right for the role and ask that curious question. Uh, and they'll tell you all the thing, you know, like, because I think you're good at problem solving or I think you really manage the team well or I've seen you really step up in the last year. So I find people tend to be Teflon on some of those things. They let all of that positive feedback kind of go off and then we're more likely to fill it with all the doubts that we have. So I think you're right, Emma, kind of ask for, ask for an opinion, but actually people are very open to kind of give us that feedback and actually people reflect the amount of times that people often get told that they're ready and then they almost try and dispute that they're ready for something is a really interesting thing I find particularly in a lot of the work that we do together on women in leadership that comes out really strongly actually in terms of you know people almost trying to talk themselves out of it um, when a leader that they may be working for has actually thought that they're perfect for the role and they've got all this all these reasons why they'd be great Um, so I think it is yeah, asking for feedback, but also absorbing it when people give it, you know, as in if they've gone to the trouble to actually give you that feedback and they want to share what you're good at, don't shy away from that. And I do find people often shy away, it can feel a little bit uncomfortable, um, but actually the person really cares enough about you to kind of give you that feedback. So I think that's a really positive side to it um, that I see is that kind of lean into it when people say you're good at something. Well, you know, what is it I do? You know, how do you see that in me? Those curious questions are really helpful to overcome some of the self-doubt because um, at the end of the day, we all want to do a good job, you know, by by our own standards, but also to do the right thing by others. So to know how other people see us is really helpful to kind of distill that some of that self-doubt down to kind of go, well, hang on a minute. They see me in a really positive way. I, I need to practice owning that a bit more rather than, you know, the noisy roommate version, which is like, oh, no, are you sure you're good at that? So those are some of the reflections I would have on that. Yes, and I'm glad you raised it because really what we're talking about is there can be really two triggers for self-doubt and it's not all negative, right? What you've just given is a positive example of self-doubt being triggered. Someone thinks you're capable of doing this great job or taking this promotion and that triggers self-doubt. So self-doubt isn't um, always triggered in that moment of um, getting perhaps negative feedback where someone hasn't been satisfied or... um, provide some kind of ambiguous 
um, you know, feedback to you or makes a comment to you and you think, oh, what do they really mean? Um, and in that moment, being able to seek some feedback, you know, is just so critical. And I don't, I, I think if we don't, we're at risk of really undermining our own self-confidence because self-doubt is a, in my mind, a uh, state, you know, it can be a reaction that we have to a moment in time where something occurs that makes us stop and really think about what we're contributing or what someone's thinking or feeling about us in that particular moment. But if we have too much of that and we're constantly feeling those moments of self-doubt, then over time that really does lead to a confidence issue. So we're really at risk if we don't in those moments properly reflect or seek feedback or get clarification, um, you know, of really undermining our own confidence. Um, I think if we can look for ways to be brave because that's really what this is about, where we're feeling that vulnerable moment and we get that piece of feedback, let's say, that isn't so glowing and, you know, it might be something about a job you did or a client interaction or your boss isn't happy with something. We have a choice at that moment just to stay plagued with that self-doubt moment or we can go and seek clarification of what they were thinking and what feedback they actually want to provide to us. So what tips do you have? Because I'm sure people listening to this can really resonate with the last time they thought they should have nailed that self-doubt issue there and then by going and being brave and asking for clarification. But they, you know, froze in the moment. So what tips would you have, just like you did with, a, you know, that positive example what if it's negative? Well, what do we say when we, we're experiencing that? We're plagued with self-doubt. We have to tackle it. What tips do you have for that, Jill? I mean, I think the rule of thumb would be, I suppose, keep your curiosity up. And that's so hard to do at times because the fight or flight response is the most likely thing. So if we get any kind of critical feedback or, um, you know, we either feel like we're going to fight it, you know, debate what's been said or flight as in I'm out of here, I'm just going to go quiet and I'd rather not kind of discuss it. Uh, and that's kind of completely human nature. That's kind of our amygdala reaction going off. Um, I find an answer to that is curiosity. And, it, and it's probably in the moment the last thing you may feel like. But curiosity is meaning asking a question about you know, how do you see that? Or how does that play out for you? Or can you give me, an, you know, an example? Or could you help me understand more about what that looks like? Um, do I do it all the time? You know, there's kind of all curious questions, because often we take it out of context, because they actually might be trying to give, you know, a specific example. Um, and again, from a brain wiring perspective, there's, you know, there's a thing called a negativity bias that one, you know, piece of bad feedback tends to have a, a multiplier of eight to 10 on a piece of positive feedback. So often the person giving it to us often does actually care and actually they're just trying to give us a pointer. Um, by asking some of those curious questions, they kind of go, yeah, but there's only an example of it and I wanted to give you a pointer, but actually most of the time you do this. Or So you end up sometimes getting a much more balanced view if you ask the curious questions. Um, and again, I would apply the more a curious approach with people who you genuinely trust. So feedback from people who know have got your back and actually it's a leader that you respect and trust. Um, you know, I think asking those curious questions, most people give feedback to actually help us. 
uh, might not like feel like that in the moment, but they're actually genuinely going out of their way. Giving feedback's hard, actually, and most people are worried about the reaction it gets. So people who take the trouble to do it often actually have got our well-being at heart and actually do want to genuinely help. Um, that doesn't make it any more easy to receive it, but but actually knowing that about people and, as I say, asking some of those curious questions I find can disarm that. Um, if it's people you don't respect, to be honest, giving feedback, I would be more likely to go quiet <laughs> to start with, you know, and as they take thought, so let me think about that and then come back again because sometimes that invokes a more re- emotional response. So I would say pay a lot of attention to your own body language or or kind of whether it's an emotional response you're feeling. So you can either be curious or um, or you could use the kind of let me think about that and then you give yourself the opportunity to, can I come back and discuss that and buy yourself some time? Either way, curiosity is the answer, either in the moment or kind of reflect on it afterwards. Um, mm. But I think that would be a kind of a practical way to do it, Emma. What about you? What do you yes, think? I, oh, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I ha- and I've used both of those um, techniques, certainly before, you know, not necessarily – it's funny, isn't it, how you look back and you think, oh, yeah, you know, um, that worked. Uh, I think in the moment you're often, you can be caught off guard, so it's hard to really think, oh, I need to be strategic right now. What response <laughs> should I give, you know? It's so instinctive, isn't it, because it often triggers an emotion. But I think having a few of those kind of tips up your sleeves, you know, is a great one. So be curious, ask some more clarifying questions. Oh, that's really interesting. What made you think that? You know, tell me more about that is a really lovely way of inviting more information and often quickly any kind of misunderstanding or self-doubt moment can be uh, worked through. Um, I had that scenario just even yesterday. Something came up and I, I remember thinking, walking away, going, I'm just not sure about that. I don't know what that means and I'm feeling actually really uncomfortable about that. And so I slept on it for 24 hours and I went back to that particular person and I went, actually, you know what, I'm... I just need a little bit more information about what you said yesterday because I wasn't sure about what you really meant and, you know, I'm taking this away from it, but is that what you meant? So I can just, I want to get it clear. And it really helped because straight away, again, it gave me some time and space from it to really just process how I was feeling, but then um, allowed me to come at it and respond in a really much more constructive way that I might have otherwise had I reacted in the moment. And what I like about it is that it allowed me um, an opening to come back because often we don't allow ourselves an opening to come back to the conversation. We just get cross with ourselves and think, I should have said in the moment, you know, I didn't. And now I'm powerless. You know, I can't go back. I can't possibly go and say something now. The moment's passed. I just have to forget about it. And I think um, I don't think that's true. I, I do think we can go back and we can have that conversation if we're not sure. So I would really encourage people to be doing that. I would say, though, that there are unfortunately people that don't always have our interests at best, you know, Absolutely. best of heart, right? And so yeah. to your point, you know, being seeking counsel and feedback from people that, you know, you know and trust and respect is important. But, um, you know, at its worst, you know, you can really feel like you've got gaslighting going on. You think, gosh, this person's really got it in for me and I've just left every moment in this, you know, lurching from, yeah, as I said, one moment of self-doubt to another and now my confidence is really undermined. I would sort of question if you're, you're feeling that way about a particular situation or, you know, an individual 
Um, often it, it relates to an individual, but not always. Sometimes it might be we have that feeling about being an overwhelm of a particular job we might be sitting in, is to really sort of break it down and go, what is going on for, around me for everyone else? So if it's, you know, a, a job that we're feeling out of control um, in, you know, really sitting down and breaking down the different elements of that job that's causing you grief um, and really just starting to examine what it is that's really um, derailing you and giving you that moment of self-doubt. So really kind of taking a very analytical approach to it to try and determine where the, where the pain points are because when we take the time out to do that, we can often realise that it's actually a couple of things. It's not the whole world that's against us or that's a problem. It's actually one or two things. And if we tweak them or fix them, actually it would be better. But we don't allow ourselves the time and space that we should to actually work through this stuff. Um, and the second thing is what is going on for everyone else that might be involved in this? So if it's a particular individual that constantly undermines you and you feel that self-doubt, you know, I would say they're carrying around self-doubt because generally um, people who are not feeling great about their situation want to share that I'm not great with other people, right? So that's that whole negativity, you know, spreads and, and breeds negativity piece, right? So if you've got someone in your life, um, whether it be perhaps, you know, at work, but also around you personally, that um, is constantly making you feel doubt about your thoughts and opinions and what you bring, just stop for a minute and just think about what self-doubt are they holding on to? Um, because, uh, am I actually taking on the burden of their self-doubt, which actually isn't mine to own, and actually I'm owning it? And I see that happen. Um, I do, and I have definitely seen that play out. Um, and it's like, how do you hand back the self-doubt to them and kind of go, actually, that's for them. It's not my job to take on their self-doubt. I'm going to see this as a moment to actually push back, coach back, and try and find a way to help them with their own issue that they've got that they're trying to pass on to me. <laughs> Have you seen that play out, Jill? And and again, any other thoughts and tips around how you deal with that? Yeah, I have seen that play out. I th I think one thing I have observed, and, I, and we mentioned it earlier, was about and it's the reason why I'm so passionate about take values as an example, knowing what your values are. Um, I find a lot of it can be a clash of values. Um, you know, so. So the self-doubt, someone can be different than you, and particularly if their values are different, that can trigger us in different, different ways. Uh, and the same would be true of strength. So often when we have this debate with someone else, um, they're actually trying to get us to be more like them, um, when really the whole piece of building your career or building a team is the you want the best of everything. You know, you, want, you, know, you might be different than me, but you've got some complementary skills. Um, and I find that sometimes people you know, almost blame themselves, like, well, they want me to be more like this. Like people say, you should be more dot, 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 whatever it is, should be more collaborative, should be more analytical, should be more this. And many cases, the feedback is almost like, can you be a bit more like me and a bit less like you? Um, I think the bit that helps navigate that back to the person is more the complementary part of that. It's like, well, I, t I know what outcome you want to get to, but I actually get here by doing it this way or that way or and I find that's a really powerful thing is to own how you do it. Uh, Self-doubt will lead you to kind of go, oh, right, yeah, I must do it your way. Right, I've got it on board. And then you kind of move yourself further from who you really are or kind of go, 
actually, what outcome are you trying to get to? Um, and then they'll often articulate, well, I'm trying to get here and I think we need more analysis. But you might say, actually, I get there through, you know, I'm more strategic, so I tend to look at the big picture and then I kind of do the analysis afterwards. Are you okay to kind of look at it that way? Or So I find actually being able to understand both your values and strengths, but also other people's, that's certainly helped me navigate those conversations um, in the past. And it also enables the other person to really think about what the problem is. Is it really that you're not like them or your, your method of getting the outcome is not what they want? It pauses and helps other people think about it. Um, so something could be their self-doubt. Um, some of it's just they're almost trying to impose their method of doing it on you. And you may not be complying. So that might be frustrating to them. But if you can show them a window about how you get things done, I find this particularly in leadership positions between, you know, leaders and, and people who work for them, being able to communicate that I think is really powerful, uh, because it stops making us making other people wrong. Uh, you know, it's not like you're not enough. It's just like, oh, you do that differently from me. I understand it better now. So so that's how I see it play out quite a lot, Emma, is actually people almost trying to impose their own view on someone else rather than um, – and then that causes the doubt and the other person kind of go, oh, it must be me. I've got that wrong, when really they just do it differently than you and having that conversation is a really powerful one to have. Mm, so true, so true. All right, well, there you are. Um, we have had a good, really good conversation, I think, about um, self-doubt and what we can do to overcome it. I hope that you found those thoughts from Jill and I useful. Of course, like always, we are really keen on feedback. So if you'd like to send Jill or myself any feedback around what you've heard today, any thoughts, any further questions around this topic of self-doubt and its impact on our career, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at info at parentsatwork.com.au. And otherwise, we look forward to talking to you again next month as we come back to discuss your career well-being. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you.